Hey guys, it's Kyle. And Harper. And uh, we had a chance to have an awesome, awesome interview today that we're going to share with you on episode 55 of the Geek Rex podcast. Harper, who did we talk with today? We talked with one of our absolute favorite creators, uh, Matt Kent, who is the writer, artist, colorist, everything else on Mind Management, which is one of our favorite books here at Geek Rex. And we got a chance to talk with him also about his origins in the business, which I thought was just utterly fascinating, and some of the stuff he's got coming up in the future, and uh, maybe some of the work at Valiant as well, a little bit of the superhero talk. And uh, on top of that, it's just a great episode. He's a fun guy. Had a lot of good times here. Uh, You can find all of our thoughts and opinions on all things geek at geekrex.com. Follow us on Twitter at geek underscore rex, and like us on Facebook. Enjoy episode 55. been exposed. Headquarters thinks the case is closed. We are here with uh, Matt Kent, one of our favorite comic creators. So um, how are you doing today, Matt? Pretty good, thanks. So um, one of the things we like to always ask creators is, before you got into comics, uh, were you always a comic book fan? Have you been reading for a long time, or or how did that work for you? Um, Yeah, you know, I've been reading since, gosh, I was probably like seven or eight years old. You know, my brother was like six years older than me, so he was always into everything before I was. So he's reading X-Men, like when Phoenix died, and I was like, what's going on, you know? And, and so I would sneak into his room, and, and then he, I wasn't allowed to touch his comics, you know? You know, so I, I, I uh, had to get my own subscription, so I was like, well, what do I get? My brother doesn't read Daredevil, so I'll pick up Daredevil. And I tried to read things he wasn't reading, you know, so I could try to make him jealous. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I was in a, kind of an early age, and I read comics i never really stopped you know I, I mean i read different kinds of comics by the time i got to high school and college um i was kind of burned out on superhero stuff uh, and i started reading like eight ball and hate and that kind of thing um but i was always always reading i think there was one year where i just sort of dropped out altogether. i didn't read anything and it was i think i just got married and i started a new job and there, it was lack of time and also i was like i just i was kind of burned out on everything at the time too well there's always that choice between girls and comics sometimes right <laughs> i know i hit that choice in high school too choice i don't think <laughs> um i'm actually surprised you said you're reading daredevil were you, re- were you reading frank miller's daredevil at like the age of seven yeah i cut the end of it so like some of the first issues like one of my first uh and one of my favorite issues was the this issue where he's got the big 45 magnum on the cover and He's just pointing it out at you, and it says, no more Mr. Nice Guy. And inside, <laughs> it's just him in the hospital talking to Bullseye, who's who's uh, um, paralyzed because he, Daredevil dropped him, you know? And he's just playing Russian roulette with Bullseye. <laughs> 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 what is this? This is, this? this is crazy. This is not X-Men. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm assuming your, uh, your folks did not see that issue in your hands at any point, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, well, you can flip through it. It doesn't look like anything, you know what I mean? It doesn't look that bad, you know? But, but, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, that was one of the, that's some of the early ones I remember that. And then, uh, gosh, what else? You know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man a lot, too. Sure. Yeah. The um, so at what point uh, you, see you were out of comics uh, around college, right before you got married, when you got married? Um, uh, when did you decide you were going to break into the business? Oh, well, I that was probably in college. You know, even though I stopped reading 
for like a year there, I, I was always making, you know, I just, I kind of just stopped reading them. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, I think, uh, probably like my second year of college, I was like, I really wanted to do something in art and I really love comics. And I was like, I just need to try to make this work. It's cause I really love to write too. And, and I was trying to think of jobs where you can write and draw and there's only one that I could think of, you know, it's like, it just seemed like a natural fit. So I think I'd, I'd always kind of wanted to do comics. Like when I was a kid, I was drawing everything and copying, you know, covers and, and daydreaming about comics and sort of making little goofy mini comics and that kind of thing. But by the time I got to college, I was like, this is what I want to do. I just had to figure out how to do it. And, and part of it was, you know, I want to make comics that were interesting to me, you know, and I think, having grown up on a steady diet of superhero books, I just, I had no interest in, in making superhero comics. So I was like, well, what do I do at the time? You know, there wasn't, there wasn't like image wasn't really there yet. And, and there really wasn't anything but superhero comics and like, uh, autobiographical comics about your crappy day job, you know? And, <laughs> and, and so there, there was no in between, you know? And I think when eight ball, came out and I picked up those first three issues of eight ball. And I remember reading those in the car on the way home from Chicago Comic-Con, you know, before wizard. And, uh, I was reading those in the car and my brother was driving. And I'm like, this is okay. This is it. He's, you know, he's doing something in his genre, but it's still comics and it's weird. Uh, but it's more interesting to me now as an adult, you know, it's engaging, you know, all of my brain, you know, instead of just the part that wants entertainment and, uh, and I was like, this is, I want to do this, you know, I don't know what this is, but this is what I want to do. So, so in college, I, I wanted to do that. And then, then the trick was to figure out how to do it because at the time, you know, it was Marvel and DC and nothing else. And, uh, you know, very little, you know, fan of graphics and some, and Dark Horse was doing some interesting stuff, but my drawing style, I didn't really want to draw in mainstream style. So it was, it was just figuring out what kind of style I wanted to draw in and what stories I wanted to tell. And then, and I came up with Pistol Whip when I was, I guess it was a, my f trying to think, I guess my first year, I guess second, third year out of college, I, made, I did Pistol Whip and I put the whole book together and I was like, well, this is the kind of comic I want to do. You know, it has everything I want in it, everything I like. And it's sort of weird and it's, it's genre, it's like detective, but there's pirates and spies and, and circus freaks. And, you know, it was just weird. And so I took that book and shopped that around at San Diego, you know, which imagine shopping a book like that around. It was black and white. It was, it was sort of cartoony style drawing and a weird story. And, um, but I was like, well, this is the book, you know, if I can't break in with this one, I don't really want to break in, I guess. Um, and I took it around and I took it to dark horse and the editor there. She was like, um, she said, this is too, this is too cool. Dark Horse won't publish it. It was too weird. You know? <laughs> and, uh, which the, the irony is that Dark Horse is, they're going to be reprinting that book, you know, this next year. Um, and my editor emailed me and she's like, look, I, I told you. And I was like, well, did you tell me? <laughs> I don't know if you did. You told me they, they, they wouldn't do it. Um, Small victory. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, you know, that's sort of how I broke in. I was like, I just wanted to break in doing the kind of books I wanted to do. And, and I really didn't have any interest at the time in, in doing like mainstream stuff or Marvel or DC. And I mean, it was partly not, no interest and partly, you know, I knew I was aware of my style, my style of writing, my style of art wasn't going to be compatible with Marvel and DC stuff. So, uh, I just tried to find a different outlet.
Was it utterly terrifying taking your books as a young man to uh, these editors that you've never met before and having them judge your work for the first time? Yeah, you know, it wasn't the it wasn't the judging of the work. It was actually just the talking to people I didn't know. You know, like I'm honestly the the art of comic book making is so isolated and reclusive that you just I, you know I wasn't used to talking to anybody. You know, I'm an artist. I like to write. I like to draw. I stay home. I don't see anyone. You know, so just trying to put myself out there and and try to act like I'm not a weirdo. You know, and. and <laughs> shake hands and like carry on a conversation and break the ice with someone who, you know, they know I'm just trying to get them to look at my book. And I know that I'm just trying to get them to look at my book. You know, it's like, how do you do that in a way that's not weird or, or, or awkward, you know? And, and so that was the hardest part, you know, it's like when I put that book together, I put the book together and then I did a bunch of other stuff. Like I had little character cards and a little fake cigarette that if you puffed on it, you know, puffed out fake smoke and, had the website on there and just put a bunch of little weird things together to sort of this is sort of make more interesting you know and like instead of just showing them a portfolio and, and uh yeah it was it was nerve-wracking and even after that first book got published i think like sitting there i remember the first year i went to a convention sitting there with the book and nobody knew who i was and and just trying to talk to people when i came up and explain the book all that stuff something i'd never done before wasn't equipped for you know my my personality is not necessarily outgoing. And so doing that was, was the worst, you know, it was so hard. And I was, I was like, I know I need to do this. I know I need to talk to people and be friendly and personable. I'm not a weird guy that just sits here and does, is afraid to talk. <laughs> and, and, uh, so I just kept going to conventions and just try to get better at it and, and get over that, you know, whatever that is, basically just being shy. <laughs> Well, you've gotten so good at it, Matt. I mean, you're you're always one of my favorite people to talk to, especially yeah. every time I see you at Heroes Con. And basically, my annual tradition of bugging Matt Kent, uh, <laughs> he was able to live on this year, which was very exciting. Awesome. No, I appreciate it. That was, it's just a practice. You know, my wife was amazed. She's like, I, you know, I would never speak in public. You know, now I, I go on panels and I'll give a presentation, and I don't, I don't even think about it. It doesn't even, it doesn't phase me, but. And so I think anybody can get over that, I guess. We just did it enough to force yourself to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I know you said, you know, you didn't, when you were starting out, you didn't want to do stuff in kind of the major superhero comic book style. So I know you mentioned um, Daniel Close. What, what other kind of um, artistic influences were you kind of drawing from when you were starting? Yeah, I think Dan Klaus and I think uh, Peter Baggy's hate, you know, it has no bearing on anything I do really, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, it was just sort of gritty and I hadn't read anything like that. And, and uh, gosh, after that, you know, Damon Keen cages was coming out when I was in college, you know, and I was buying those as the issues came out, mm-hmm. you know, it would take like two years between an issue. And, and I was reading that and it was just blowing my mind. I, it's still one of my favorite books. What, what else? I mean, I read Watchmen once a year. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't we all? <laughs> And it's, and it's, to me, it's amazing. I know that everything's been said about it, but it's like I still get something out of that book every time I read it. It's, there's not many comics that I could say that about. Yeah, it's uh, definitely one of the rereadable classics. <laughs> but then I still, like, I'm still reading superhero stuff. Like, I like Batman Year One and, mm-hmm. and Daredevil, Born Again. David Mazzuchelli is one of my favorite artists. Yeah. You know, and it was fun to watch him go from Daredevil and then he quit for a while, and then Rubber Blankets came out. And I remember when I, I was all excited when it came out, because I was like, oh, a new, something new, David Mazzuchelli. And then 
when it came out, I was, I think that was at the end of high school and I still wasn't reading a lot of independent stuff and I picked it up. I was like, what is this? <laughs> Why did he quit Daredevil for this? You know? And of course I have all of those issues and, and, uh, and now I love him, you know, I'm like, okay, this, now I see why, why he did it, what he's doing. But I just, I hadn't grown up enough, you know, he'd grown up and I hadn't grown up with him yet. <laughs> yeah. And, and a, book, a book like Estieros Polyp is another one that's just, uh, unbelievable. The, uh, most recent book of his too. Yeah. No, it's, it's just beautiful, you know? And, and I think the older I get, the more I'm less concerned with like a character and I'm just more concerned with what can be done with comics, you know, what, you know, what haven't we seen before and and what new way you can bend art and words together into something new and different, you know? And so, so I think anymore, I don't even really read comics for enjoyment. I'm just reading them to see if there's something new. You know? Well, you know, one of the first places you seem to do that was in super spy. And I, I was just kind of eavesdropping, but you were telling a friend of mine um, when you were at heroes con just, just a couple weekends ago about how that was one of your favorite works. Um, and uh, of course I, I completely agree with you. Um, would, would you say super spy is that book that sort of altered the course of your career at all? Yeah, you know, that book in particular was a book where I I was doing graphic design for my day job and doing comics, you know, when I got home from work and then on the weekends. And then I got laid off from my job and I was like, well, okay, let's just see. You know, I had some severance. I was like, let's see how long we can, let's see what happens if I just take a year off and work on a book nonstop, 100% full time, you know. And that was the book I did that on it. And, I was like, let's see if I can make it work, you know. And that was a book that allowed me to make a living doing comics, and uh, and it really was the first book. Like everything just came together all at once. It was the first book where I could work full time on it. It was the first book that, you know, was, I got to do color and play with color, and I and I actually I just felt like everything came together. I I could I figured out how comics work by that point. You know, it took me three books and like six hundred pages to figure it out, but I. By the time I got to that book, I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, uh, there's a lot of different things I was excited to try and trying to treat a book like a, like not just a book where the story starts on the first page and ends on the last, but a book where the story starts when you pick it up and it stops after you put it down. And then, and then even then when you, after you put it down, you're wondering whether you got it all or, and you kind of want to look at it again. You know, I was, I was just trying to treat that book like a, like an object, you know, and, uh, the, to be sort of explored in kind of some kind of weird way, but then also tell like super cool spy stories. <laughs> you know, it was, I think that was a book that helped me figure out, you know, what my real voice was and and what could be done in comics or what I could do. So speaking of that, uh, one of the things I always have wondered is why why spies? <laughs> it, it seems you know so much of your work is focused on spies and and deception and espionage. Um, where where did your kind of fascination or love for that that genre and that kind of character come from? Well, I remember one of my earliest movie memories was Star Wars, but my second earliest movie memory was seeing Moonraker at the drive-in. You know, so James, I grew up with James Bond, like all the worst James Bond movies. You know, <laughs> but uh, I'm not afraid to say that I, I like other ones better now. But, uh, but I always loved that. My parents always loved James Bond, which I always thought was weird. I'm like, why do you guys? They were more excited to go to James Bond than we were. And I'm like, okay, you know. And, and uh, as I got older, um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I loved every genre. Like I love. I have a complete run of of Conan, the Marvel Comics Conan. You know, it doesn't. 
it doesn't make any sense for me to like that. Like if you look at anything I do, it's just, you know, barbarian story after barbarian story. Uh, except I mean, I love everyone's just bizarre, but, um, yeah, I just, I I I'm a fan of genre fiction. You know, I love Doc Savage when I was, when I was a kid reading that, those stories and the shadow and, um, geez, I don't know, just everything. So to me, spies was one more thing. And, uh, and I think what happened was, after Pistol Whip, I was doing my next book, and I was working on Two Sisters, and I turned in the pitch and the outline, and then to my editor at the time, Chris Daros at Top Shelf, and I turned in the story to him, and it was about two sisters, and it was all the whole story was told through letters that they wrote back and forth to each other, and you know, and there was going to be no cuts, you know, no scene cuts. It was just going to be like. You move across the city, and then they talk on the phone, and you move back over the telephone wire. And it was just this really long relationship story between two sisters. And then his note back to me was, uh, he's like, this is, he's like, where's the, this isn't very exciting. <laughs> basically what the note was. He's like, this is kind of boring. You know, reading between the lines, it's like, where's the, where's the pirates? Where's the, the circus freaks? Where's the detectives? You know, and I was like, and I was like, oh, and I had kind of fallen back into some things I've done in college where I was just doing like autobiographical stuff or little stories about that were thinly veiled, you know, autobiography about, you know, what it means, what, what is art and all that kind of thing. And, and so I'd sort of fallen back into that. And then uh, when he said that, something clicked. And I think it just clicked forever where I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I, I think if I saw this book on the shelf the way it was, I wouldn't pick it up and read it because it's like, too, you know, Two sisters talking back and forth. I'm like, I can't think of anything. I wouldn't want to read less. You know, <laughs> I was like, why did I do that? And and, uh, and so I just started looking at everything I love. You know, I, I read all the old Ian Fleming, James Bond, and and uh, you know, I loved science fiction, and I loved all these other genres. I never read really just straight up fiction. You know, I, that didn't interest me. Um, so I went back through that story, and I was like, well, what would happen if? I just overlay the spy genre on this story. I think that was the easiest genre where I could go back through and, and lay it over the top and, and make something happen. And, uh, and so after that, I just, I got an idea for more spy stories and they just kept coming, you know, and, and, uh, and I'm a huge, uh, World War II buff, I guess. I'm a buff of just all of history really. And so to me, it was an excuse to just do more research on an era that I, I enjoy and, uh, and topics that I thought were interesting. It's it's funny, you, you know, you've taken that spy genre and really turned it on its head with mind management, um, and it's brought you a, a tidal wave of new fans. Uh, honestly, it's been really unbelievable. I'm sure a lot of folks are going back and rediscovering your old work because of it. Um, but in terms of mind management, what went to the development of the process of that whole series? I mean, just from its inception, uh, how did you develop that first pitch? Well, it was weird. I... Uh... The origin of the whole, the whole uh, idea actually started with Super Spy. I'd done Super Spy, and then a friend of mine who's, who's an aspiring novelist, um, we would trade things back and forth. I'd read his novels and give him no, notes, and he'd read my, my outlines and give me notes. And, and so we would trade back and forth. And after Super Spy came out, he'd written like this 600-page, like sort of a, it was almost like a spoof of Super Spy with this kooky character who was named after my brother and, and, uh, and was just like this, the craziest spy ever, you know, and, and it was sort of playing and sort of poking fun of some things that I had done, um, and taken seriously. And, uh, 
so I'm reading this and this character, you know, he goes to school for, you know, spycraft and he's taking like uh, code breaking and he's taking uh, disguise classes and mind management classes and these other things. And, and uh, I'm reading it and I'm like, mind management, you know, it was like a throwaway line in this, this thing he wrote. And I asked him, I was like, Hey, what is, what's that about? He's like, I, he didn't even remember writing it. I was like, well, I was like, okay, can I have that? Cause I got an idea for, as soon as I read those two words together, I had an idea for a whole, a whole thing, you know? And, uh, he's like, sure, no problem. And, and, uh, and so like, that was the first book I'd ever come up with the title first. And then everything just sprung from the title. And, but I had this idea of, uh, just all these crazy characters that you could come up with that would be trained to do different things. And, uh, and, uh, the whole idea for me was to try to keep it believable, you know, like just, just like one step sideways from what could actually be, you know, so I did a bunch of research on things that the government actually did in these programs that they ran and, and, and some of it, I, I'm not even sure I believe happened, you know, yeah. but, but uh, so I did all that research and I just figured out a way that part of it is coming up with like the abilities that they can have and what your mind could do. And, and then, um, I just, I put a pitch together with, with basically outlining it like a 56 issue series, you know, split into six issue arcs and, uh, with this giant story and I did sketches and, and character drawings. And I think I even drew a couple scenes out and then, uh, wrote it. It was like a probably 12 page document when it was done and I sent it to dark horse and, um, expecting them to be like, yeah, we don't, we're not really doing monthly books and this is too long and too crazy. And, um, and then they came back, right? They got back to me like super quick, and they're like, "Oh, we love it. Let's do it." <laughs> and I was like, "Then I was like, oh crap, <laughs> fifty-six <laughs> issues." I was like, "How many? That's like five years of my life, you know." So I went back to the pitch, and I'm like, "Okay, I can't." I was like, "How am I really going to do this?" You know, because it was like a dream project for me. I always wanted to do a monthly book, you know. And then when they approved it, I'm like, "Okay, now I have to sit down and actually script it out and." make it work. And when I did that, I went back to the outline and I wrote the first arc and I, it seemed like it was, it was too, uh, there's too much air in it. You know, it's one thing I don't, I really don't like in comics is when they're just too decompressed, you know? And I think a lot of manga does that where, you know, it's like whole volumes where, you know, hardly anything's happening and you're turning pages like, like you're eating popcorn, you know, it's just like bam, 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 bam. And, uh, and I did, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to stretch it out. Um, I wanted it to be something where you, you know, it takes you a while to get to a page, you know, and it takes you a while to get to an issue. And then maybe I want to reread that issue. And so I went, I re reworked the outline and, and, uh, and condensed it to 36 issues. So it's the same story. All the characters are the same. Everything that happens is the same. I just, I just compressed the, the timeline. So it would just be a little more dense. Oh yeah, and, and you know that's funny that you say that because mind management is probably it takes me longer to read that book than anything else in my full. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's I love yes. that it a lot out of it, you know, and reread it and read the read the stuff in the sidebar and stuff. So um, when when you're putting an issue together or you know writing the script, how does how does that extra stuff factor in the stuff on the inside covers and on the on you know on the edge of the page? Do you do that later or does that do you? do that as you're writing the script for the main story or how do you put that together? Yeah, it's honestly, it's all over the place. I, no single issue is ever the same. And it's, it's part of what is fun. And it's also part of what frustrates me is because I think it's like, when am I actually going to get this, 
the pattern for creating these down, you know, it's like, where's the process is should be the same month to month, but it's never the same, you know? So it's just, it's sort of hodgepodge of things. Like I have a running list of just ideas that will occur to me, you know, throughout the day, every week, you know, months at a time, you know, I have a whole list of, of extra ideas that I come up with. So I write all those down and then, um, and I write six issues at a time. So I have an outline for the whole thing and then I'll script six issues. Um, and then I'll start drawing, you know, and then when I'm drawing, I come up with more ideas. Um, and then sometimes it changes the art. Sometimes, you know, I'll do a in different inside cover or have an idea for the back covers or a way to fit things together. And then, uh, and then the side text, sometimes I have an idea for like a story arc, what the side text will be. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'll write it all at once. And then other times I have a general idea, but I'm like, well, I'll just wait till the art's done. And then I'll go back through and sort of collaborate with myself, you know, and look at what I drew, what the story is, and then sort of write to the page, you know? And so it's honestly, it's different every time. Do you ever work from a script at all? Yeah, I do. I write full scripts. Um, and I give those to the editor, you know, and, and but I write a full script. The full scripts I do for my management are pretty sparse compared to something I do for like Valiant. You know, I don't do a lot of, stage direction or, you know, half the time I'm not even spelling out the characters' names. I just, I give my editor like a, a, a code. It's like M means Maru, L means Lime, so I don't have to type names anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, almost like an abbreviated script, you know, but, um, but yeah, I do write them out. I, I, I find that it helps. Like for a while I was just thumbnailing and then going straight to drawing and then, um, but now sometimes I'll thumbnail and then script from the thumbnails. Other times I'll script and then thumbnail. Um, but I find that having an extra step or an extra layer, it's like an extra, an extra draft of it instead of a first, second, third draft. You know, by the time I get to inking it, it's probably like the fourth draft. So, you know, a bit of a nerdy question about mind management. Um, with so many uh, turnabouts and backstabbings and uh, all kinds of rough, rough interactions. Uh, who should I be rooting for? I, I'm often wondering uh, who's the actual bad guy here between uh, the eraser and uh, some of the other shady characters that have shown up in the uh, series. Yeah. I don't, I honestly, I, to me, I like the idea of everybody sort of has a point, you know, and everybody does, has some, done something bad in their life, you know? And I think, I know what surprised me at first was, Henry Lyme, I thought would be the one that nobody liked, you know, everyone was sort of hating, but it seemed, it seemed like people were sort of still liking him. I'm like the guy, like destroy the city spoiler, I guess <laughs> it's the first six issues, but he destroyed his city and then hit his wife and, <laughs> and killed his family, you know, and I don't, and there's mitigating circumstances to a degree, but I thought that would be the thing that would make him sort of unlikable you know, <laughs> after that, but it, people are still liking him. And, and uh, and I'm kind of glad, you know, that you can, just like in real life, you know, there's like people that do something you think is horrible, but, you know, you're still their friend and, or, or you can understand or you, you like, you love them anyway, you know? And, and so I find that when I'm writing those characters, even like, I guess I'm trying to set up the eraser as kind of an antagonist, but I still want you to know where she's coming from. You know, I want you to relate to her and, and understand that, you know, she's doing this and this is why, and you may disagree, but you know, there's definitely a reason for it. And it's that whole idea of, you know, the villain does another villain, you know, and, and honestly, I, I would like the reader to, to question whether they're a villain too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, 
the most recent issue had some pretty wild uh, consequences. It, it certainly seems like so. What can what can you tell us about what's coming up next for the book in the next arc? Yeah, well, uh, let's see. What issue came out? <laughs> I'm so far ahead. Twenty three. Yeah, I think it was twenty three. Right? Yeah. yeah. It was it was the one after the pipe. Like we had the pipe issue, and then we had the yeah, okay. next one, right? That was with Billy Falls in there, and, and uh, right, yeah. So, so yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. I'm trying to do it in a way that's non-spoilery, but um, yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to set it up. I guess this this is the second to last arc. So in this arc, I'm just trying to put things in place to um, set up like basically the ending. You know, um, where does it go? Issue thirty. Around issue 30, you're going to know where everybody stands and what's going to happen and what needs to happen. And it's basically the last story arc is it's just a gigantic war. <laughs> it's like a big battle. You know, like, but my management style, you know, it's not going to be tanks and guns. It's going to be really weird. Um, but yeah, so I, I think I just I kind of want to break Maru down to her basics and strip everybody away. And then sort of leave her there and, and see what she did, and and then sort of have her come back for the end, you know, and then kill a bunch of characters off. <laughs> so, uh, quick question then, in terms of you know your standing with this book, I I, I I may be wrong here, but I think you might hold a distinction of being the only comic creator to ever hold every single role on one monthly series. Is that right? I mean, has anybody verified yes. that? Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I honestly, I, that's what I've been telling my wife for since I started. I was like, I'm gonna be the only one who does a monthly book all by themselves, you know, except for editing and uh, in color, you know, because Dave Sim had a huge run, you know, but it was black and white, and then and then Gerard was inking his backgrounds, and but yeah, so I, I think it's, I'm the only one to ever do a monthly book where I ink, where I do everything right, draw, ink, color, letter, design. <laughs> <laughs> every page you know and uh trust me i've been tempted to i'm like oh, i mean i'll just have because i know like i'm friends with jeff Lemire, and i'm like oh, it'd be great to have him do like a fill-in issue you know and do something weird uh, but then i'm like well then i can't um claim that i did it every month he's <laughs> 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 totally cut out of the process you know Y'all have very complementary art styles. I think they would go together well were you to do that. But I, I would prefer to uh, see you continue on with this uh, Guinness-style run here. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you guys recognize that. I'm like, I don't I, – I feel like it's a big deal. Every time I have to letter the book, and I, I hate lettering. I'm like, <laughs> just pay a letter to do this. I wouldn't have to do it. <laughs> So um, you, you wrote one of my favorite standalone graphic novels last year in Red Handed as well. And um, I, along with like Pistol Whip, I, which I, I think maybe they were written in, in a similar fashion. Um, do you prefer writing like the standalone graphic novel versus the web comics format of Super Spy versus the monthly format of Mind Management? Or do you not see a distinction between any of those approaches? Yeah, you know, I think, um, boy, it's a tough choice because... I think it's easier to write a graphic novel because there's a big safety net there where you can finish the whole thing and you go back through it and you can fine tune it, fix things, add things, add sections. You know, when I was doing red handed, if I had done that as a monthly comic, it would have been a train wreck, you know, because when I got done with it, I was like, Oh, well, I need to, this needs to happen. You know, there's so many little pieces that had to work just right to make the story work that I couldn't have, I couldn't, I would have had to, 
I finished the whole thing first and then released it. There's no other way to do that book, you know, where, um, and so to me, it's a little bit easier to do that because you finish it, then you look at it and you're like, okay, good. It's not, you know, it works, you know, where with my management, it's such a big story, you know, to me, in my mind, it's, it really is a giant graphic novel, you know, that just happens to be six volumes, you know, when it's done. Um, but it has to be split up into 24 page sections every month, you know, so each, each of those 24 pages has to work by itself. Then they have to work together in like a six issue arc. And then those arcs have to work together for the big, you know, the main story. And so there's very little room for error there. You know, I have to have it figured out way ahead of time, you know, and, um, like I can finish a book, I grab a novel in a year. It took me maybe eight months to do red handed. Um, but my management just by the process of it is going to take me, you know, three years to complete. So like I'm a different person than when I started, you know? And so some of the, the things I wrote and outlined and planned at the beginning are changed and some things are different and, you know, and, changing anything once you've started a project like that is tough because it's already been published, you know, it's printed, it, it's for real, you know, that, that thing happened. <laughs> so you can't just go back and fix it at the end because you change your mind later. You know? So I think there's, there's less room for error, you know, when you do like a monthly book. But on the other hand, I, what I love about the monthly book is that people are reading it as it comes out. So you're getting reaction every month and people talking about it and, and you, it's just a different experience to me. I, I compare it to like, like watching Lost or Breaking Bad, you know, as those episodes came out is completely different than sitting down watching the whole thing in three days. You, you think about it more when you're not watching it, you know, a whole week goes by and you maybe have a conversation about the last week's episode and you try to guess what's going to happen next, you know, but if, you know, in a graphic novel, you, you don't get that. You, you sit down, you read the whole thing, and you're done. And maybe somebody else read it uh, that week, and maybe they're going to read it next year, and then you never have a conversation with anybody else about it. So I kind of love monthly comics. Well, and with a book like uh, Mind Management, if you ever you know decide you don't like something that was in on the early issues, you know you can just say the magician you know made, made that all up. It was all a hallucination, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's oh, that's just a horrible cheat. <laughs> the timeline, like I could totally do that, but. What a horrible cheat that would be. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> so um, out, outside of the kind of original properties that you've created and worked on, um, you've done stuff for Marvel and DC, both uh, regular series and one-off kind of things. So um, what are your thoughts on, on that body of work? And do you think there's other, are there other characters or story ideas that you'd really like to work on with those, with the major superhero properties? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's always something and, and I kind of just, I'm kind of just waiting for something to open up, you know. Um, DC's asked me to do a few different things, and they just didn't appeal to me, you know. I and so I'm just sort of waiting for the right project to come along um, because I do enjoy that work, but I, I, uh, it's also there's a few more hoops you have to to jump through, and it's you know there's a it's a bigger machine you have to work in. So if I'm going to do it, I, w I want it to be the right thing, you know. And, and Spider-Man, Justice League, those. Those are things I've always wanted to do, you know, since I was a kid. And I'm like, I can't not do those, you know, or I'd totally regret it. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as other dream projects, uh, Black Widow's always been one of my favorites. You know, I have a good story for her that I'd like to do sometime. And uh, I'm trying to think of what else. 
Um, Martian Manhunter, I got to do a ton with him. He's one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've already got to do something with him. I'd want to do something with somebody else, but I really don't know, you know, like, I don't know. Oh, I know what it is. Legion of Superheroes would be my dream DC project. <laughs> but, but honestly, I, who's I was telling somebody else that I, I mean, I'd probably have to kill like 10 people and then, and still I'd be in line, you know, to do Legion. Everybody wants to do it. So. You know, you, you were telling me that actually. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> that was, I know I had a conversation and, uh, but yeah, it, it's true though. Like everybody, it's such a great, there's so many great characters and, you know, and I have a really good idea. I'd love to do it someday. So we'll see. <laughs> One day I'm going to get that out of you. Uh, I'm going to, if I have to pull it out, sir, I'm going to find out what your take is. <laughs> now, yeah, take, me, take me in a long car ride. And I'll tell you all about it. I'm sure that's where I came up with it. <laughs> oh, please. Let's arrange that. I have to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, so you jumped over from Marvel and DC from a pretty uh, Herculean workload, by the way. I mean, you were you were doing uh, the Charles Soule stuff before Charles Soule was doing it, really. I mean, you had like eight books that came out in one month at one point. Um, and then you went over to Valiant and you started working on Unity. So how did how did that come about? I know you had mentioned at some point in the past that you were a fan of those Valiant properties. Yeah, you know, what's funny is I was I don't read a lot of mainstream books anymore. And uh just because I don't, I don't have the time and, and then the interest isn't there as much either, you know? Um, and then my brother called me up and he was like, Hey, you know, Valiant came back, you know, this is maybe like six months, seven months after they'd come back. And I was like, Oh yeah. Cause he had got me onto him in the nineties. And uh, I was like, Oh, okay. So I'll check them out. And now like I can just download them on my iPad. So I bought like, you know, the first five issues of bloodshot and, and Archer and Armstrong, all the stuff that I liked back in the nineties. And, and I was reading him and I'm like, Oh, these are, these are really good. You know, like I've, I've read like tons of stuff that I've had to read for work, you know, to get continuity and that kind of thing. And it just wasn't very enjoyable. And, uh, and I was reading these Valiant books. And I'm like, well, these, these are really good. You know, I'm actually, I think I would read these even if I didn't have to, and I didn't have to read them. <laughs> I was, I was actually reading them for fun. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm, I'm enjoying a superhero comic. <laughs> And, uh, 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 yeah, they were all just really good. And then, uh, and I don't know how, uh, Warren Simon's the editor at Valiant. I don't know how he got a hold of my name. I think it might've been from Rob. I was, I'm friends with Rob who writes Exxon Man Award and he might've mentioned me, I think. And so Warren called me up and he's like, he's like, Hey, would you want to write a bloodshot zero issue, zero issue where we, the origin of bloodshot. And uh, I was like, well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that, but what's the origin? And uh, he's like, we don't know. We want you to write it. <laughs> I, was like, I, just, I just finished reading like the first five or six issues, and I was I was curious to see what his origin was. I was I was not I couldn't wait to know what it was. And they're like, well, you get to write it. I was like, okay. <laughs> and so it was kind of a fun way to get introduced to them and to um, and I was I wrote that issue of Bloodshot with Warren and I think Warren was, he was sort of trying me out, you know, to see, if, to see what I was like to work with, you know, and, uh, but at the same time he didn't know it, but I was trying him out to see if I like working with him, you know, cause I just, to me, I just, I need to work with an editor I like and get along with and, and somebody who wants to make the story better. And, you know, and, and it, I got to the point where I'd done so much work. I didn't really need the work anymore, which is the first time in my life, you know, where I'm like, I just, I could take or leave it. I don't need the money. I don't need, 
earning more writing credit. You know, I just, my management was doing really well. I don't, I don't need any of it. And, uh, so I, I was training him. I really loved working with him and we had a lot of fun and, and it was fun to turn in a script to him. And then he called me on like Monday and had a bunch of questions for me about my script. And, and, uh, I could tell he was thinking about it all weekend. Like he read it Friday and he had been thinking about it all weekend long. I'm like, dude, I think you thought about that issue more than I, I thought about it. And I wrote it, <laughs> you know? So it was, uh, to me, I just was, I really enjoyed working with him, you know? And, and, uh, and so after that, you know, they had some things coming up and unity was one of their projects they wanted to get off the ground. And, um, he asked me to pitch for it, you know, say, so you know, I made a big outline, you know, put the characters together that I thought would be good. And, and I uh, gave it to him and then he, they approved it. But it was one of those things. Valiant is kind of different than other publishers in that they don't, you know, they don't have, they don't look at October and be like, Oh, we got to launch our team book in October. They looked at it like, we want to launch a team book. Let's, let's find a good pitch. Let's find a good story. Let's find a, you know, a good team to make it. And then, we'll, and then we'll do it. Then we'll figure out what month it comes out. So it was one of those things where I pitched unity and, you know, there was, there was every chance of the world. They were like, man, we'll, we'll keep looking, you know? And, uh, and it would, you know, there was no like pressure for a deadline or they had to fill a space and the publishing schedule was, um, which is kind of neat. You know, it's, you feel like, I feel like a real creator there where I'm actually helping build that universe, you know, and it's still young enough where I can, you know, sort of shape it and make it something good and, and, and I kind of like having that responsibility. It's, it's fun. I mean, they have a, they've had a whole line of just wonderful, uh, creator, uh, um, not creator and stuff, but like, uh, critically acclaimed, uh, titles, including Exo Man of War, which you mentioned by Robert Venditti. Um, let me ask you though, for fans of your creator owned work who are jumping over to the Valiant universe to read your stuff. And I mean, that's the kind of, uh, kind of area that I would fall into. Um, and Harper as well. It, is Unity a book that uh, we can jump onto fairly easily? Yeah, you know, I think Unity is a book where if you don't know anything about the Valiant universe, if you don't know those characters, it's it's a pretty good book for that because you get a little taste of everybody to see what they're like. You know, it's like, well, maybe like Eternal Warrior, he's in there and you sort of see what he's about. And uh, Ninjak and uh, Exo, all those guys, you, you sort of get a nice introduction to them. It's almost... To me, it is. It's like they're, it's like Justice League number one. You know, before the Justice League ever existed. You know, who are who's who are these characters? Or Avengers even? Like, who's the Hulk? You know, and it's kind of like that. Where I think when I was a kid picking this up, I'd be like, oh man, the Ninja is the coolest. You know, and then that's like, oh, that Eternal Warrior. He's I, I hate that guy. He's got like a stick up his butt. Why is he upset about everything? You know, <laughs> you know it's. It's kind of like that, but I'm trying to elevate it. You know, it's, it's, there's there's more to it, but in a way, I think that's a good valiant starter book. Um, there's a lot going on. And it's just, I, to me, it's just it's fun. You know, I think team books are the hardest thing to write, um, and I always get, seem to get stuck with them. <laughs> but but it, they're also kind of fun. You know, there's you know, it's never how am I going to fill this issue with story? It's how am I going to get all of this into one issue kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, one of the kind of interesting news pieces that I thought was kind of would like to get your take on it is the fact that mind management got optioned and has got Ridley Scott in talks about, uh, you know, 
dealing with it. So what, what are your thoughts about that or how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. Dark Horse has a really good producer that I've been working with for years. You know, he sold um, Three Story back, you know, a few years ago. And, and, uh, and then my management, you know, last year with Ridley Scott, which, you know, it's hard to turn down Ridley Scott. You know, it's impossible, actually, <laughs> to turn him down. Um, but yeah, it was just great. You know, Dark Horse worked it all out and uh, they were super respectful of the work. They, you know, really, everybody really liked it. And I had like a conference call. I gave them all my notes. I had the whole thing outlined at the time when I bought it. I think only the first 12 issues had come out or 10 issues, something like that. Um, so they didn't, I don't even think they knew exactly what they were getting. You know? So I was like, well, you should probably read the whole thing, you know, and get the whole, get the whole story and see where I'm going with it, you know, because I don't think, I think they might have optioned it like six issues in. So it was, it was so early, I, there's, there's no way they could have known. <laughs> but yeah, so I gave them the outline, had a big conference call and explained all the characters, where it's going, what I was doing with it. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's exciting, you know, and they got the hired screenwriter um, who's, we're just waiting on him to finish the new, he's writing the new Wolverine movie. <laughs> So I'm waiting on that to be done, and then he's going to start on mind management next. But um, they they talked to a lot of writers. They got a lot of pitches for the series and, and uh, or for the movie, and and um, they were looking for a writer that you know they thought was good for it. And and he was the one writer who wasn't you know trying to take it and turn it into an X Men movie mm-hmm. um, or something like that. You know, he's trying to be more respectful of the of the the content. Uh, which is good. And the irony is he's writing Wolverine, but but no, he has a good handle on it all. So uh, it's good. Like all the movie stuff, you know, um, who is it? Rob, actually, the writer of Axo, said, he's like, yeah, everybody gets an option. You know, it's it's the movie, you know, nobody gets the movie or hardly anybody gets the movie made. So we'll see. If it gets radically changed, is that something that would potentially uh, break your heart? Or are you actually looking forward to seeing that writer take it in a different direction? Yeah, I, truthfully, I'd rather to see it go off the rails in some other way, you know. And and as long as the seeds are there, as, as long as enough of it's there, they'd be like, "Hey, that's that was inspired by the thing I did," you know, because <laughs> that that would be fun, you know. But honestly, I I just want it to be a good movie. I don't, you know, if it if it veers drastically from what I did, and it kind of has to because it's a two hour movie, you know, versus a thirty six issue series, which I, I think they're thinking about doing it as three movies, but even a trilogy would be, you know, you can't get all of it in there. It's going to be different, you know? So I kind of, I hope it is. I hope they're not, you know, trying to panel for panel, recreate what's done. I just, then what's the point? I feel like it's boring. Then it sort of cancels out the book, you know? Um, but I'd rather they just make a good movie. And, and, and uh, that was one of the funny things on the conference call. They, I was telling them that same thing. I'm like, don't worry about it hurting my feelings or if I have an ego and if, you know, if the story's different or, you know, Maru gets killed, whatever, I don't care what you do. Um, as long as it's a good movie, you know, like, and then I brought up the example of Blade Runner being such a great movie, but veered so differently than the book, you know, the Philip K. Dick book. Um, and then I realized I was talking to really Scott and his, his production student and I felt like a, like a jerk <laughs> or like I was casing his spot. I'm like, Oh, that, that's the example I always use. It just happened to be, you know, <laughs> you, were, you're, you guys are the ones that created it. But I wasn't <laughs> trying to get their asses on purpose. 
That's funny. <laughs> so, um, I mean, what's what's coming up next for you? What have you got in the works? Um, obviously, besides mind management and, and everything else that's going on, what what can our, our listeners expect to see from coming to the shelves? All right, well, I, I'll speak vaguely because everything is a secret for every publisher, you know, they want to announce it in their way. Um, but I am doing, I'm going to be new, doing a new creator-owned monthly book with Dark Horse that they're going to announce at San Diego. Um, that I'm writing only, and I have a uh, another artist or artist is drawing it, but it's going to be sort of like fun science fiction, a little more fun, uh, and uh, I don't know, it's sort of a crazy book where I can do some crazy sci-fi ideas I've had. Um, that'll be they're going to announce that in San Diego. Probably it's going to come out in November, I think. Um, and then what else can I say? I'm I'm doing a couple new, two new titles with Valiant, which they're not going to announce. They're going to announce one in San Diego. That's um, I can't say anything about it. And then <laughs> one in one in October at New York. So two new things with Valiant I'm doing. And then uh, and then when my management's over, I'm doing. I have another series already lined up. Dark Horse has already signed me to do. I'm going to write and draw. That's going to be um, kind of like an underwater outer space thriller series that's that's basically like a two-year series wow that's exciting will you be at san diego this year no it's first year in 10 years i haven't been first year since i went there to get to try to get published i haven't been <laughs> and uh i just purposely took this year off i last year was so crowded and and i just all i did was meet with editors and things outside the show i didn't go in because it was so crowded that, but uh I'm just taking a year off. <laughs> so of all, of all this awesome stuff that you're, you're putting out now and then what's going to be coming out soon um, through the, the secretive world of, of comics that is, you know, it, sounds, it sometimes it sounds like the comics industry is a little bit like a, like one of your books with all the, all the secret things that have to be wait You have to wait to yeah. hear. <laughs> but, yeah, it um, drives me crazy. That's the question I hate the most. Like, what are you doing next? I'm like, I'm sure I can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so where where can people look for your stuff? All right. Well, you can get everything you can get is at uh, mathkin.com, my website. And then, um, you know, I have everything there, all my books, all the art. Um, Dark Horse has a really good app, you know, so you can download all the comics and read them digitally. Um, and then what else? <laughs> local comic shops. Support your local comic shop, too. And then, oh, I'm on Twitter at MattKin.com or at MattKin. And then Facebook, there's a mind management page. Um, and then I have a personal one, too. Matt, thank you so much. This was an awesome, awesome discussion. And uh, I'm sad I won't see you in San Diego, but uh, maybe I'll see you at Heroes next year. Maybe Harper and I will uh, be able to drop by and say hello. Yeah, that's a bummer. You guys are, are you guys both going to San Diego? No, it's just me this year. Oh. Next year, I'm going to try and get us both to go. But uh, <laughs> All right, we'll go to my – go to the – press conference for me and when they announce the stuff I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll take pictures. I'll post it on your Facebook and tag you in them. Yeah, will you? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Do it. That'd be awesome. All right. You got it. You got it. It'll happen. Uh, Matt, thank you so much. And uh, we will uh, we'll hopefully chat with you again soon. Thank you so much for the time. All right. Thanks. Thanks.